Good morning, family. So when I came in, um, I told first service, I shared that I just felt like I was at home, just family. And so I want to just say, here's what family do. You can do some amens, right? You go, girl. And hallelujah. So family, can we stand this morning together? And I want to say, Roland, where's Roland? There he is back there. You know, I want to say this uh, um, to my friend Roland here publicly. I so appreciate him. A few, uh, I don't know if it was a month ago, but our ministry, Jenai, and uh, some other ministries, we met together to have a praise in the park. We had a time, didn't we, Roland? Yes, and... And Pulpit Rock and Roland provided the sound for us and stuff. So I just want to say that. And Pastor Jonathan and Becky, I know they're not in here right now, but I honor them. So let's do this here, fam. Would you, I mean, that song, isn't that amazing? I mean, I love you so much, God. You know, I can never, there's so many reasons why. And sometimes I'll just say that the goodness of the Lord gets buried in what's going on in the world. And we have made him too small in our eyes. So let's lift him up. Would you lift your hands with me this morning? And I'm going to pray over us. Father, we just thank you that there's, we could never, ever adequately do you well with our words. That majestic, amazing, magnificent is still not enough. If we had a thousand tongues, it still would not be enough of how we could praise you. So this morning, we say, let the goodness of you be our portion. Father, we just say that, Father, we want to hear what you have for us this morning, God. We are ready. We thank you for Pulpit Rock. We thank you, God, for this body of believers, on those who may be watching online and those who are here. That, Father, we just thank you with your presence and with your aroma just fill this place. I totally decrease so that you can increase. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated, fam. I wanted to say something about the video that first comes on. So when it, when it first comes on, there's myself and a lady. We do ministry. We do prison ministry together. So we were with a group called Raw Tools, and we were melting down guns. Uh, when, it, when you see all that at the beginning of the video, where we melted down guns, people who've turned in guns who have not been used for the right reason, and we make them into garden tools. How about that? Yeah. Melt them down and make them into garden tools. And so, again, this morning I want to share with you about how the kingdom is mobile. I mean, this is so great that we, we four pastors, we get a chance to go all over the city. And as we go around the city and to be able to share with each body of believers, we get a chance to share what the kingdom is like. So today I want to share that the kingdom is mobile. And I want to say something for you too, Pulpit Rock, just the beds that you make. You know why that's so important? Thank you. Because for some of us, like myself, who grew up in extreme poverty, I didn't have a bed to sleep on for almost a year. It was six of us in my family, and we would sleep in the bathtub, we would sleep on the floor. And so there's some people who, who uh, having a bed is everything. To have your own bed is amazing. So can I just say thank you, thank you this morning. I want to open with a question, and I'm, I'm going to share about the mobile kingdom today. It's missional. It goes out, um, and, and what that means. I was with the Navigators for 10 years. Any Navigators in here? 
Woohoo! Look at that. Come on now, have family. Now I know it's going to really be a party. So I was with the NAVs for 10 years working uh, with a division called Cultural Affairs, and we, want, we built something from the ground up at the Navigators of how to bring to life Revelation 5 and 7. That John said, I saw a multitude of all kindred, all nations, all tongues, worshiping together, praising God together, and that thy kingdom come, thy will be done right here on earth. And so it's interesting how when we look at a mobile kingdom, that mobile means that it's here Sunday mornings, it's Bible study, it's discipleship, it's out and about, it's our daily walk, it's in Walmart when we meet somebody, it's at 7-Eleven, it's in our cubicles. It's, it's wherever we are because we are the kingdom, and the Father wants so many people to meet him and to know him. Here's the question. What if, think about this, what if that very thing that seemed to be and have been such, a, such an interruption in your life, what if that is the very thing that the Father is going to use to advance his kingdom through you? Can I say that again for, for all the note takers here? What if the very thing that seems to be such a painful interruption in your life actually turns out to be a divine advancement of his kingdom? How about that, right? Here's something I learned. My husband and I, we moved here to, um, from Gary, Indiana. We taught Michael Jackson how to dance, by the way. But... Um, all of that. But anyway, we moved here from Gary, and as we moved here, we thought we were going to plant a church together, missionally here in Colorado Springs. Two months after we had got here, um, he came around the corner. I was on my way for an interview somewhere in a pool of blood, uh, just on his hands and knees in our apartment, and, um, and I pumped his heart in the bathtub. He was alive for a little bit, but then um, not too long after that, he died. And I asked the Lord, I said, I just don't believe it. Someone said, do you love Jesus? I said, no, not right now. Get away. Test me if I love Jesus. I said, God, I don't understand some things. I could have stayed where I was, could have stayed in Arizona. I could have stayed with the people I know, uh, the employment I had, all of that. Why would you bring me to a city? And then a few months later, I'm over at a cemetery. I don't understand it, God. I'm so mad at you. And you know, sometimes we don't be real. We're not real with the Father about where we are. And he wants to heal that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So now I realize now, and I said this, I have this saying, your pain has a mission attached to it. That we never just go through anything in life just to go through. That everything in life, no matter what it is, when you just feel so disillusioned about where God is and, and what he's doing, it has a mission attached to it. My friend Yimmy was here, Yimmy Mobilate, I think uh, some months ago ministering, and he's used that quote. And so I want to say to you today, as you listen, will you listen from the perspective of the Father saying that nothing is wasted in your life? Would you listen from that? So here's the mobile kingdom. Here's a statement that I want to put up. The desire to do the Father's will, it must be greater than our fears, approval from others, and discomfort. So what does that mean? When the Father tells you to do something and asks you to do something, can we do that no matter how fearful it may look? How many of you in here, God, is that? I'm not going to ask you to come up here. How many of you recently, there's something bigger than you that the Father has asked you to do? Can I see your hand? See? I knew it. I knew it. I'm going to call you up here now. 
<laughs> no. Must be greater than our fears, approval from others, and discomfort. So here's the reality, you all. You can start out with something and you'll have people clapping for you and applauding you. And then as you get into whatever it is the Father asks you to do, then sometimes you see people moving away. Well, no, I thought it was going to be this or that. And we have to love the Father more than our fears. We have to love the Father more than approval from others. We have to love the Father more than our discomfort. It means everything. I want to put up here Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So I want to talk about the missional church, the mission of the kingdom, and what it looks like. And from Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. So Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Can you all do something for me? Just because we're family, can we read that together? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Such a prolific thing. And so I want to share, what I want to unpack, what does that look like? So that's where I grew up, that picture. You're like, what does that have to do with any of this here? This is where I grew up in Chicago. I grew up in a housing project called Cabrini Green. Anyone ever heard of Cabrini Green? It's just been torn down. I don't remember you. <laughs> and so I grew up in this, this myriad of stuff. I mean, we had gang violence. It was, I mean, we had elevators that never worked. It was, it, it was infamous. Yearing. My mom tried to have an abortion with me and uh, it didn't work. I came out, I go, no mommy, I have to be here. I came out, but she was traumatized. Right after all of that, my dad was killed when I was eight weeks old. And uh, so she gave me away to a couple. She said, you want a baby? They go, oh, we'll take her. And so this couple lived in this here environment. So I grew up in all of this myriad of stuff that I'm not good enough. I've never seen a picture of my dad. I've never seen any pictures of whatever, you know. And, and in this moment of all of this here, messiness of life, something beautiful came out. But the messiness was I became a girl gang person. When I was over at Discovery last week, one of the pastors said, Pastor MJ, you were a gangster. I said, yeah, but our gang was called the kangaroos. That explains it right there. Okay? It is, we were called the kangaroos. Okay, so that explains it. But we were notorious, and I'm not proud of it, but God used it to show me how to love people. But we were hateful and mean. None of us had daddies, you know, that we knew or whatever. We would stand behind churches on Sunday and get rocks and throw at people when they come out. That was before, you all. That was before I knew Jesus. Just see, y'all are like, MJ, really? Let me grab my stuff right now. <laughs> no, but it's redemption. And so I came out of that. I gave my life to the Lord. And I never knew that God would take all the messiness of my life and feeling so disillusioned and, and so out there and how he would translate it into something else. I mean, how he does that. Here's a statement for you here, the next statement. There will be some places that Jesus will send you because you are the answer to someone's prayer. You know, you find yourself like, God, why do I have a desire to go over to 7-Eleven today? Come and go. Why do I have a desire to go to this restaurant today? Hey, brother, how are you? That great smile with that blue on. I know, yeah. Just seeing you got a great smile. That's family, though. That's what we do in family. We stop while we're preaching, and we acknowledge our, 
our relatives. So there will be some places where Jesus will send you because you're the answer to someone's prayer. And you don't know what someone is praying and God is saying, but you're praying for the help for them and you're the answer. You're the answer to how they're going to come out of this myriad of discouragement. You're the answer to someone who says, I'm so sick of church. I'm so sick of Christians and religion and all that. And the Lord's like, but you're the answer. And so that's why that person that you don't want to sit by at work, that's why they now have been moved over to your side. That person that's sitting by you in the cubicle, that neighbor who's waving at you every day, hey, and you just go, I don't know you. And the Father's saying, but you're going to get to know that person. There are some places that Jesus will send us because he wants us to be the answer to someone's prayers. So I want to go through the context of a passage today, Acts chapter 8. And I want to read this and give a context. I know you all are more prolific than I am out here. But I want to share this. The context is that here is... Uh, Philip, he's an evangelist. He was waiting on tables. He was a waiter. God used him and, uh, in a great way in Jerusalem. There was a revival going on in, in the first part of cha- uh, um, the first chapter, the eighth chapter of Acts. Right at the beginning, there was a revival going on. So people were giving their lives to Jesus. They were coming out of all kinds of stuff. Miracles were going on. It was a revival. And then the father, then a messenger comes to Philip. And the messenger says to Philip, you have an assignment. You're going to go south. So Philip, in the midst of all of that, he didn't say, I'm not going. It says he obeyed and he went. And then he met a eunuch, an Ethiopian eunuch, and this is the encounter of what happened. This is the missional church, the mobile church. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, not the flowery road, not the road where your friends are waiting on you, not the road where people are going to applaud for you, but the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kendek, which means queen of the Ethiopians. So he was working, and he was serving the queen, and he was a eunuch. He had been demasculated so he could work with the queen. So this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. That it says, if you do some study on it, it says that, you know, the Lord began to stir his heart. He was a Gentile, to stir his heart. And so he traveled 800 miles in a chariot. I asked this in the first service, so I'm going to ask it now. What, what would be the comparative travel from here? What state from here to wherever that would be 800 miles, from Colorado to where? What do you think? Kansas City? All right, we'll take it. Kansas City, and I will pay you after the service is over for that answer. Kansas City, so on a desert road, in a chariot, going to Jerusalem because, going to the temple, because he wanted to know about Jesus. And so he gets there, and eunuchs were not allowed in the temple because they were not considered whole people because of what happened. And it makes me think, again, I'm going to read on down and come back to that. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. He was reading Isaiah 53, where Jesus, the account of Jesus saying, I was despised, I was chastened. The despised, the, the, the entire, entire chapter of Isaiah 53 
talks about the brutal things that Jesus went through. So he was reading that. So the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it, the Holy Spirit. Go and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And I want to unpack that. Look at this here. Go to that chariot. So what does that mean in today? I mean, we don't see any chariots here in Colorado Springs. What is, who is it that God is asking you to go near? Don't be afraid. Go near that person. Speak to that person. Go near that part of town. Go near that place you've never gone to. That person that maybe makes you feel a little intimidated. But then it says here, don't just go, then stay. Because when we think about discipleship and what it really means to walk with people, what does it mean to disciple people when they're drowning under the waterline? They're below the waterline drowning, and you keep throwing out stuff, and you keep, you know, help, spiritual help. And then you go, okay, I'm done. But then the Lord said, no, stay near it. Stay near it. I've assigned you to that person. This is, this is a call. You don't understand it. You're the person. And then he ran up to the chariot. Philip was 20 miles away. Now, the Ethiopian unit traveled 800 miles, and Philip was 20 miles away. So what's near us? Isn't it interesting how when we think about the people that God is sending us to, he said, you know what? When we say, who's my neighbor? It's the person right behind you. It's the supervisor that gets on your nerves. <laughs> your, your family, all those people in your family, go near and stay. Stay near. And later on, when you read in a chapter, he even got baptized. Isn't that amazing? He even got baptized. Could you put the picture of the eunuch up here for me? And Philip, look at this. So this is what I love. I love this picture because here's the first Gentile that becomes a believer in the continent of Africa. The gospel spreads to the continent of Africa. I think about when I have a medical background, and I was in Ethiopia for a while working in a, a medical clinic, and we had a mobile unit in the Sudan. And that mobile unit looked so small, but it had so much in it, and people were so happy. They were happy when we would come give any kind of medical help. They'd be lined up all night, all night in the dust. I mean, they'd be lined up in dusty roads and wherever. So here Philip didn't say, you don't look like me. He went on, and, and the only way that he could share is that he actually had spent time to with the Father. So it's such a beautiful reflection of that. And what, what Jesus is saying. That really, if we would think about the fact that we are human beings here and that Father has called us here on an assignment as believers, that we wouldn't be afraid of anybody. There's no need to fear anybody because, again, we're the ones who separate ourselves, but the Father does not. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 6 through 8. I love this here because this, this passage here, these verses, says, you know what, don't start feeling like, I haven't done anything, Lord. So, you know, I tried to pray, I tried to talk, but, but look what it and nothing happened. But look what it says. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. God. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters anything, but only God who makes things grow. 
The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. What does that mean? It means that the Father is saying, don't get discouraged because you're sharing your faith or you're sharing in your family because really it starts in our family. And you're out, you see your sons and your daughters and they're not believers or, or they're kind of wavering or whatever. He said, listen, you may, I'm going to have someone plant a seed, then someone will come along and water it. But either way, I am God who will give the increase. Amen. Oh, for the two of you. Amen. <laughs> yes. So look at this here. I want to give, give you something to think about here. And this is called a kaleo. I have some invitations for you. These are invitations from the Father. So kaleo is a Greek word. And it means that the Father, that Jesus, he is invoking an invitation here. There's something he's asking us. We know in Matthew that we can ask according to his will he would do. He said, but I'm asking you all something now. I'll have a call to action for you, for my people. Kaleo. Here's the first invitation. The invitation to think and live like a missionary in your fears of influence. Many of us have been overseas and we've done missions work, but we have a mission field right here in the United States. That mission fields are wherever we are, whether you're in healthcare, whether you're a mom, stay at home with your kids, that's one of the greatest missions ever. Whether, whatever you do, whether you're a barista at Starbucks, whatever, you have a mission feeling you're a believer. Your mission is to be the aroma of Christ and to be the bridge between a world that doesn't know him to people that he wants to know him. So what does it mean to think and live like a missionary, to not position ourselves above people, to walk in humility and to know that the Father is always saying, be ready at any given moment, wherever you are. Here's the second invitation here. To be ready to give some living water to a thirsty and weary soul. You all know in order for those of us who've come up, I didn't come up in a Christian church, whatever, you know what I mean, but either way, someone presented some living water, right? So we want to give the natural water, we want to give things to eat. We want to do all of that. But we won't, don't want to do that and not give living water, right? We want to make sure that people have living water. All right, I'm getting ready to stop because you all are too quiet. No, I'm, I'm really kidding. Now, you're deep thinkers in here. I feel it. Deep thinkers. And then the next one is this here. Don't be hesitant in sharing Jesus. Even though your life, even through your life, actions, and the realm of Christ, I'm a professor, too, and I teach, um, teach a lot of things, employment law and all of those things. But something happened a few years ago. One of my students was shot and killed in front of me at a school, and I watched my student uh, die in front of a school while the ambulances and medical personnel were coming. I was beyond mortified. I said, Father, give me another chance to realize that, yes, I have academic credentials, and yes, I'm teaching this, but Father, may I never walk into another classroom, another building, another training place, and not be the aroma of you. Because I had just seen that student a week before, and I knew I was supposed to go to him, and I didn't. And so I forgave myself for that, and the Lord showed me some things. But I said, God, I'm not, I don't want to be an undercover believer. And what I mean by that is I want to be bold and courageous in my faith. 
I want to stand firm. I want to be a person who is not just known for credentials and being a doctor. I want to be known as a person who loves and loves well. Everywhere I go. Thank you, sister. Then the next one here. People may hate us because of Jesus in our lives, but they should never hate Jesus because of us in their lives. They may hate us because of Jesus. I mean, the world hated Jesus, so we, we're ready for that. But people should never want to turn away from Jesus because our aroma is not the aroma of the Father. That we should never make people a victim of our moods and what we're going through. And I'm not speaking to you today. I'm not doing this today. What does it mean to totally die to self and say, God, on this day, which is one of the worst days of my life, I am going to up the aroma of you because of who you want me to be. Just the next one here. So many people are ready to meet Jesus anywhere, anytime, just being ready. Because there's the mobile church says, yes, we go. We go to the prisons. We go to the marketplace. But it also is this. It is us gathering together, the ecclesia, the church, and that we gather together to get filled up and to get encouraged, right, so that we can go out. And then I have one more here, invitation. Today matters. Who does it matter to? It matters to you. Somebody's praying for you. And I want to encourage you today that no matter where you are in your life and no matter what you're going through, what you're experiencing, I want to encourage you that Papa sees it and that he has it. And that today also matters for someone else. It matters for other people, people that you pray for. It, it matters. It matters. So I want to show you something here about Jedi. And I want to use the context because normally I have two hours to preach, but I was told only an hour today. <laughs> which was reduced down to 30 minutes because Pastor Susie told me, and I know how to listen. So, <laughs> I love you, Susie. Okay, so, that's what family do. They just stop preaching and love on people. All right, so, Jenai, again, Chinese word that means one who loves the people, which uh, was birthed when I was pastoring the underground church in Vietnam. Never knew I, that I'd be leaving from Chicago, going to Vietnam, I wrote something called From the Hood to Hanoi and All the Stops in Between. Never knew a girl growing up in inner city Chicago would be pastoring in Vietnam. So then the ministry Jedi means one who loves the people and God answers. And the father said, when I came back, I was pastoring the Chinese church. Uh, lead pastor and the father said, I want you to take Jedi back to Colorado Springs. I want to love people there well. So here's Jerusalem and Judea for Jedi. It can mean we're up at Garden of the Gods, we're baptizing, we bring our, bring our little pans out, baptize babies, they cry, kick, you know, that stuff, little kids. We're out in parks and we do Bible studies. Uh, we do intentional discipleship with people who sometimes can't go, but only uh, like a, probably a two, two block radius. We have ministry to law enforcement because one of the things that I, I realized is that everybody, those who serve, protect, no matter who, everybody needs to have prayer and to have the realm of Christ. So a few years ago, I was asked by the chief of police, Carrie at that time, 
if I will help lead a faith-based ministry to law enforcement, if our ministry. So 20 of us from Genai came together, and uh, we met together throughout the city here with law enforcement, with the sheriff's department and police department, and we brought so many great relationships and prayer so that people can come and so that location is not disclosed to people so they can have a private place to pray. The next one is, I think, Samaria. Yes. So here's, see that couple right there? I have to tell y'all, I married a couple at Popeye's Chicken. <laughs> it was legitimate too, I promise. I was there with some people after church, as all good pastors do, we go to have chicken. And so we were sitting at Popeye's Chicken and this couple comes up in his car with a just married sign. I go, oh my gosh, there's a couple just got married and she's got her dress on and she came in with a bouquet. And then she came, they came in um, and she said, oh my gosh, you're the person to marry us today. I said, uh-uh. <laughs> I don't know you like that. I'm marrying you. She said, yeah. She said, the father said that we have to be married by a specific person. And it didn't make sense. And he told us to go to Popeye's Chicken. And the pastor who would marry us would be sitting there in the back. Look at him. Say, you shaking your head back there. He's like, uh-uh. He's, I ain't no lying, church. You know that. <laughs> Stuck down up here. But, but what was interesting, here's the thing. The father, Holy Spirit, has said to me that morning, you will marry a couple in the most unusual place today. And we know a lot of times we've already gotten the direction from the Lord and we can't dismiss it. We've already gotten So we had a wedding. So we stood there, dearly beloved. We are gathered here at Popeye's Chicken <laughs> to join this couple. They had their wedding. They had their marriage license from the court ring. And so people at Popeye's were clapping. They brought out chicken. We didn't cut the cake. We cut the pies. And so being ready. This is outside where we work with people with human trafficking and different things, yes. People coming out of prostitution, high call prostitution, and uh, we had one of our people show up. We did an outreach and didn't have clothes on. And uh, so we politely just got a dress, but she was weeping. And she said, I didn't want to come like this, but I need to come. Up here we work with people coming out of gang life. Uh, imagine that, from the kangaroo to helping people come out of crips and bloods. Right, and that they can come under a new blood, and that's the blood of Jesus, and be new and made new. Then there's Helen Poo in our ministry. She's praying. Then the next one is, is, is Jerusalem today and the uttermost. I put this sign up here when I was my first airline trip to Vietnam, on Vietnam um, Airlines, and I thought about how the Lord used my time in Vietnam to show me so much about my flawed identity that I had created. He said, people everywhere, they need Jesus. Here in the U.S., there's still people groups who don't know Jesus. There's still people in like Kampala, uh, in, in, the tribal, in the tribe of Africa. They're, they're there rejoicing because Bibles are being delivered to them in their own language. And I got to Vietnam, and I went as a professor. That's how I got over there. But I made so many relational friends and discipleship, and that's all I'll say about that. But I was sitting with some friends. We were in the rice field that, that I made, you know, uh, come to, to know, and they loved me so well, and I got a chance to love them back. I learned a lot in my six years in Vietnam. 
And then I was here in Africa. This lady said, you look like Mother Teresa standing out there. I said, I don't know. I've never seen Mother Teresa. I can't say, but I was with 500 students in Kenya. I got bit by a poisonous something uh, while I was there, and, and they thought at some point my leg was going to have to be amputated. It didn't, of course. But God was just saying, all of it's important to me, Melinda Joy. I want people to come to know me. All of the things that you do, all of it, the songs, the worship, as you go, make disciples. As you go, think about people who don't know Jesus in this city. 60 to 70% of people who don't know Jesus, and you're the answer. Then the next one, as we end here, as I end, rather, the next uh, slide. It just slides of um, baptizing our folks. That again, it's, in, it's outside the walls. It's in here. It's in, the, it's in the boardrooms. It's wherever where Jesus shows up. Because I love you, you know, again, our time of coming together. And then the last one here. Oh, almost. All men would know that you're mine because you have love one to another, not because you know the scriptures. We do know. And as a navigator, you all know, we, we learn our scriptures well, but we also learn how to love people well as well. So next slide here. So whose shoes are you called to tie today? This is not just, I'm not saying real shoes necessarily. You may. But... Stu Davis, how many of y'all know Stu Davis in here? Some of y'all know him. Um, I said, he's going to find out that every church I've gone to in our series, his picture's been up on the screen. At some point, he's going to get it. But we were in a pastor's ministry time. And this homeless guy walks in. And he, didn't, and he walked in, Stu got up. He didn't know I took this picture. Went over to him and bent down and tied his shoes. His, his nose was running. He was smiling. He came in. He said, it's a good day. Stu bent down and tied his shoes. That man cried. He said, I never had anybody that would do anything like that for me. Tie my shoes. So who is it that you're called to? You might not tie their shoes. You may give them a smile that you've never gave them before, given to them before. It might be a part of town that you're going to go to and say, I'm going I'm to go sit in a restaurant down here today. I'm going to smile, love on people, even if they don't love back. Yeah, I may not go to the prisons like they do with you and I. I may not be working with human trafficking, but you have people all around you every day. Here's the last quote. The kingdom is present, not in grandiose accomplishments. Hey, fam. That's what we do. <laughs> Not, not in grandiose accomplishments, but in showing practical love in humble ways, day after day, not just when there's one thing, right, Roland? Day after day, and in refusing to allow our failures and disappointments to hide God's love from us, not from others, from us, forgiving yourself when you've not got it all right, when you've not done it right. Forgiving yourself. God invites us to share the divine emptiness. That emptiness that sometimes you say, God, I'm so empty. He's like, oh, I know. Let me fill it. I'm emptying you out of some stuff so I can fill it with divine emptiness. Don't be afraid. The divine emptiness might also be described as total vulnerability, being honest, being real. The willingness to hurt over, be hurt over 
and over again without loving less. Doesn't mean the same person come and wounds you. That's not what that means. It's saying because you've been hurt by one person, you don't stop loving the second person or the third person or the fourth person. You don't. Because God is love. That means never giving up on anyone, not even ourselves. Helen, can you make your way up? Of such is the kingdom of God. Of such is the... I've asked Helen as part of ministry if she would pray for us. Would you stand while Helen pray, please, fam? Father God, we just say yes to the invitation. Father, we say yes to the invitation, Father God, that you gave us today to be the mobile church. Father, to go where you've asked us to go, to maybe parts of town we're not, we're not comfortable with, Father, to maybe the person that irritates us most at work, Father. We say yes. We say yes to, to be friends, to be compassionate, to be loving. Father, as you ask us to love people not from our past hurts, but, Father, more and more like you loved us. That you don't, Jesus, you died on the cross for us and suffered great pain. And you didn't look and say, I don't like people. Mm. I don't like Helen. Father, you said that you loved us and you came and you loved us without reservation, with a passionate love. Father, that's what we want to do. We want to love the person standing right in front of us the way that you loved us. Father, when that knock comes on the door, Father God, for what it, for the Girl Scout cookies, or Father, when we're walking through the grocery store, Father, or walk in the park, and you point somebody out to us, we want to love them the way that you loved us. Father God, without reservation, yes, without wondering what, what they're going to do to us, but Father, yes. just, because, just because that's who you are, you are the God of love. Yes. And so, Father, we just say yes to that invitation. We say yes, Father God, to, to go and do and be your hands and feet and to love one another, Father God. May it be said about Colorado Jesus. Springs yes. that if you go to Colorado Springs, you will be loved. Mm -hmm. Father, that someone will hug your neck, that someone will buy you lunch, that someone will speak to you about Jesus, that someone will tie your shoes. Yes. 